0: So given that we had a hard reset in 2020 because of the pandemic, I think there is more acceptance for doing something a new way. You need to constantly keep recalibrating, reinventing yourself and making sure that your success is not a guarantee of how things will be in the future. And your ability to keep predicting the future and building a resilient system is what will make it successful.
1: Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Aware podcast. You just heard Jay Theodore, Esri's Chief Technology Officer for Enterprise and AI Technologies, emphasize the importance of creating a strategy anchored by smart technologies to address future business disruptions. Esri CMO, Mariana Cantor, investigates how location intelligence technology is helping businesses and organizations improve their resilience and decision-making.
0: Well,
2: hello, Jay, and welcome back to the Esri and the Science of Aware podcast.
0: Hi, Mariana. Nice to be with you.
2: So uh, let's start with what you're calling the four A's. So could you take us through the four A's and give us some basic sense of how they work together?
0: Sure, Mariana, I can do that. But before I jump into that, I want to set a baseline about that and why we should care about them. So fundamentally, the adoption of any emerging or trending technology should really be driven by the kinds of problems that they solve not just because it's really cool tech. Very successful organizations uh, often embrace continuously uh, these kinds of innovations, incorporating trends, patterns in a very meaningful way. In 2021, and I would say for the next few years, every organization needs to look at these four A's, uh, see how they align with the technological goals that they have and their missions, the first one I would say in the A's is architecture. Any organization needs to consider what their fundamental architecture is. But that what I mean is your system architecture that comprises of both the compute and the data. Data is precious, what you do with it and the outcomes from that is even more important. So architecture is your first A, it's very foundational. Automation is the second A, which is doing everything at massive scale, being able to do it 24, seven, 365, not requiring human intervention unless necessary. The third one is analysis, which is what do you do with all the data that you have? The fact that you have IoT implemented at massive scale, the fact that you have real-time data, historical data, all that matters only if you know what to do with it. Find the answers that you're looking for, predict the outcomes that you're expecting and so on. And the fourth one is AI, artificial intelligence. There's so much of human intelligence that we have, but we can't scale. Machines are really good at looking at massive volumes of data and knowing what's important and what's not and getting to the answers and learning from those things, much like humans. So that said, you know, you can think of it like four pillars or you can tear them on top of each other
2: if i am a chief data officer chief analytics officer or cio or cto how do i parse this for a approach
0: what i often see is there is a larger vision and a goal from let's say the ceo's office that is being accomplished by the cto or the cio's office cio's can be you know uh, more of innovation officers now and similarly the drive behind how things are implemented by the CTO's office, but there's also the data analyst's office or the data scientist's office and being able to recognize those key roles. Now, each of them have different needs and they all have to work together well. In the case of 4As, the reason why I think we need to look at them individually is because they're all interrelated, but each of these folks might come from a different angle of attack or of requirements. So I think any organization needs to bring all of these things into consideration and look at it holistically, I would say.
2: Do you have some examples of organizations who have done that and have seen some positive impact?
0: So I have had the opportunity to work with many organizations of various kinds. You know, you can say private sector, public sector, defense and, you know, small, large and so on. But one organization that resonates with me often and I meet with them on a regular basis is the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency in the United States. What they have is a massive deployment of sensors that are sensing the quality of air, water and so on. They're constantly analyzing what's going on and then reporting, informing people to respond and so on. They have multiple regions across the U.S. And then each region collects the data, they do some analysis and they report on that data also. So there is a need for distributed architectures, distributed computing architectures. Some might be centralized and resident in the cloud. Some might be on-premises, some might be at the edge itself very close to these sensors uh, themselves. So from an architecture point of view, you can say that the CTO's office is looking for a distributed system that's modernized, that's got infinite capability to run analysis in the cloud, but at the same time, it gives the power and the autonomy to regional and local environments, to run systems, to make things work at all times. And so you have this distributed compute environment. So at a certain level, the person who's like the CTO uh, or the information officer, in our case, it's the geospatial information officer, is actually looking for a broad scale of how can all the data be usefully collected, analyzed, and reported? That's the larger context. But then as you bring in different folks like the data scientists, the analysts, and so on, and what is their need? Their need is more of, okay, I have the data in this location. I want to process that data. And then there's also the volume of the data. Okay, I have data of this kind that has to be prepared, that has to be cleansed. So there's a workflow that works against the pipelining of that data from one place to another or from one format to another. And all of these things need to be automated because we're not at a massive scale of hiring just to meet these needs. So all of these things have to come together. So what the EPA has achieved is quite impressive because the first thing is like any organization of that scale, complexity is part of it and how they can work together to achieve a common goal, which is to provide us an environment that's safer and how to bring that into a distributed system that can collectively work together and then doing it at scale and achieving the results in a timely manner. And the EPA has done a really good job in trying to do this.
2: As economies are working to recover from the effects of the pandemic, what is the role of AI and analytics in that recovery,
0: Jay? We're seeing some specific usages. I'll uh, maybe share a few examples of uh, geospatial AI, uh, which is basically AI where geospatial aspects are implemented in the AI algorithms. Uh, the first one would be vaccine rollouts, how to anticipate demand by forecasting, uh, based on historical trends, uh, being able to manage and monitor the implementation itself, where it's successful, where it's challenging and scaling the success factors and trimming down the uh, challenges and being able to be, make them more effective. And then of course, helping determine when to impose and lift lockdowns itself, okay? At what scales, uh, using what criteria and what works and what doesn't in one place is different from another place. So AI is able to elicit those and find the right answers for you. Similarly, being able to track uh, both pharmaceutical and non-pharmaceutical interventions, uh, you know, trying to tackle this pandemic worldwide. What is the economic risk evaluation itself in the context of this? Being able to forecast uh, capacity trends uh, for ICU beds, for ventilators, for vaccines, and so on. So all of these are areas that we have Organizations applying in and trying to find the right answers quickly and being able to react to that.
2: Many uh, professionals out there and business leaders and organizational leaders say that COVID has accelerated digital transformation. I wanted to ask your perspective on this and how, if you see actual acceleration in the kinds of technologies you're covering.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the first thing I would say is that we are learning to live with uncertainties. Even as we make critical decisions, we need to take that into account. You know, there was a time when we would say that I've got all the information that I need to make the decision, only then will I make the decision. That's no more the case. I think we need to live with uncertainties, we need to experiment, we need to speculate the future, and we need to deal with extreme anomalies. So given that we had a hard reset in 2020 because of the pandemic. I think there is more acceptance for doing something a new way, as opposed to if it's not broken, don't fix it. I think that kind of approach doesn't work anymore. You need to constantly keep recalibrating, reinventing yourself, and making sure that your success is not a guarantee of how things will be in the future. It is just stating what the present is and your ability to keep predicting the future in spite of all of this and recognizing that uh, there's going to be uncertainties. There's going to be extremities that happen and building a resilient system is what will become, make it successful. So as we do that, I think organizations that have been doing the same things the same way and successfully for decades are now faced with this, at this time of crisis, what is the next thing that they need to do? And not just to recover from the crisis, but also to set themselves on pace for what they should be doing. So I think this is the right time. And we are seeing some foundational changes in many areas.
2: One of the areas that you focus on is very intriguing to me, and I want to discuss this a little bit further. It's the concept of decisions at the edge. What is it and what are the implications for organizations around that?
0: Let me start first, uh, Mariana, by setting some context on this so we can scope the discussion for our listeners on what exactly it is and why it matters. So I'd start off by saying that every organization, irrespective of the industry or business that they're in, uh, requires rapid acceleration of their digital transformation efforts. I mean, that's a given in 2021. And then we need to go from accelerating digital transformation itself, the next generation of digital transformation. We need to reset ourselves to a new normal, which doesn't stagnate. It's constantly recalibrating and reinventing itself. But this need for change in processes, strategically it means using emerging technologies sometimes that's necessary because only then you can drastically change it change where you are but the cost of the change is often disruptive on how you go about doing it but the motivation should always be what is the value in the success that comes about okay that's how you should quantify the outcome of it now in some cases, you quantify that by measuring efficiency or growth. But most recently, I would say another measure of success is resilience. Resilience to change that impacts you negatively. Some of those can be expected. Some of those are unexpected. So digital transformation is Unfortunately, not just about the digital or the technology aspects. It's guided by a broader business strategy. It impacts and intersects people, technology and the business itself. So in order to be successful, you have to use the data that you created flowing through this technology that we talked about. And then you apply it to change your business effectively. Okay? And as you do that, comparing and contrasting against the baseline that you established. And then as you do analysis, you find insights, you make the decisions. So most businesses, their presence is at the edge. That edge is where data is being collected, decisions are being made and so on. The profits are coming from the edge, you can say in other words, or the outcomes are being achieved at the edge. So, Think about it as the place where the business comes in contact with the client. You can refer to it as the face of the business or the touch points, the sensory inputs and outputs of the business. Whether we call them frontline workers or decision makers at the edge, they are better suited to make many, many critical decisions. And then there's also the quick loop back. You know, you improve and adjust where necessary. You have to have intelligence um, to make the right decisions. And I would say that it's not a prerogative of just senior or centralized decision makers. The decision maker at the edge is a necessity and it's an empowerment of the entire organization to make intelligent decisions in a timely manner.
2: Does the 4A framework that we covered earlier enable somehow this ability to power decisions at the edge?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so if you take computing, there's the cloud computing with the centralized way of doing everything at a massively scalable way. And then there's edge computing, which is basically taking all the benefits and moving it to the edge. So it's closer to the decision maker at the edge. Your data is closer. You can run your AI models closer. And that is powerful because the time to respond to make the right decision is greatly reduced, okay? And it is tuned and precise for the edge. So as we move these models to the edge, we are able to see that you can run the analysis quicker. You can also train the models to adapt to newer data sets quicker. In other words, they're getting smarter for the edge decision and not for a centralized decision, which is diluting the value and the preciseness of the model itself. So there is great empowerment that happens there. And there's also uh, a lot of models that work well at the edge because that's the kind of data that they've been trained with. And so it's suitable for these purposes. And of course, when you go into the world of automation, there are smaller, tighter workflows that you automate than the larger thing. So getting to automate something is way quicker. Building autonomous systems, way easier. It's one thing to build an autonomous system at a global scale as opposed to a local scale, right? So all of these things are quicker and easier to achieve in a more sustainable manner at the edge than not.
2: As always, a very thoughtful and inspiring conversation.
1: Thank you, Jay.
0: Thank you, Mariana. It was great having this conversation with you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Jay Theodore for explaining how location technology is foundational to realizing digital transformation and resiliency. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about how location intelligence enables digital transformation and drives success, visit esri.com forward slash dx.